Welcome back to Production Music Demystified with Media Tracks Music, a microcast of Music Works. Today we have the honour of welcoming our guest Helen Lyon, composer and curator of the production music label MT Heritage. In this mini episode we will discuss tips and guidance on how to achieve top quality on your musical works. And before we start, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK, and it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at themu.org. Hi, Helen. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Hi. Great. It's lovely to have you here. And um, so we're here as part of our our um, series on production music and today we're going to talk about about quality and about mm-hmm. your your top tips for creating quality music for production um so why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself and your uh, your work yeah so i'm a um, media composer and a musician um, i'm a violinist and a pianist and i came um to media tracks um about november last year and since then, I've written three albums for them, and I'm just working on my fourth. Um, and I also do music for film, short films, documentary. Um, and I'm currently just focusing on more on the production side of things at the moment with Media Tracks. Brilliant. And you're, the label that you curate, that's part of Media Tracks as well, isn't it? Yeah, the Heritage label, which is the biggest... It's the biggest label that they've got, and it's um, anything from sort of, you know, ambient piano, um, sci-fi thriller. It, it's really got the full full spectrum of, of albums in there. Um, and we've you just started um, curating some new, really exciting albums. So there's some good stuff coming out. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, so uh, we're here to talk about quality is key. Would you like mm-hmm. to give us some opening thoughts on that? Well, I think when people think about production music, sometimes um, they can think that possibly there isn't always quality behind it. And I think that's a huge misconception. Um, the people doing the production music are the same composers that are doing all the other work that's happening. Um, and there's a, a great deal of skill that goes into making production music. Um, and it's really important when we're looking at people to come to media tracks and even when I'm writing something for media tracks that you think about your skills that that you bring to it rather than trying to produce a sound or produce um, an idea that doesn't belong within your skill set so I think the first thing about quality is really understanding your skills and what you're good at what you enjoy writing and what you've got available to you Um, because a lot of people wanting to start out in production music don't have a huge amount of, of free cash hanging around And I know from experience, I spent a whole year working and spending no money at all. So I worked from a zero budget because I had um, no money coming in. um, And I knew that I had to make it sound quality because otherwise it wouldn't get listened to and it would get, you know, passed. So quality is looking at basically what's in your toolkit that you've already got. 
And then what do you need to add to get what you need, the sound you need? So whether that's technology you need to buy or whether it's samples or whether it's paying for someone else to record, those are all the decisions that you need to be making when you're looking at quality. So I don't know if you want an example. Um, yeah, sure. It'd be great to hear about how you manage that because obviously this is a challenge that many um, composers both entering mm. on and in the industry are facing. So it'd be great to hear your experience of this. Yeah, so personally for me, I, um, I'm a violinist um, and I'm a pianist. So <clears throat> I work very much digitally. So I have a good laptop, I have a Mac, which isn't necessary, but I, I made the decision to, to buy a, a MacBook um, with a terabyte of, of um, data. And I mean, a terabyte is actually quite small. Hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you look at composers talking on YouTube, you know, they've got 16 terabytes. So I now have an external um, card as well, external drive which I bought recently, I've got three screens um, and they're monitors, you know, they were monitors that were hanging around that someone else didn't need anymore. You know, where I didn't need to have quality, I've, I've just used what I had. Um, my speakers, I was very lucky. I was given them by um, a family member. They're extremely good speakers. That was a bit of luck. I would have needed to have, have bought good speakers. Um, I've got a really good interface. I've got an arrow that cost about 500 pounds. So that's a lot of money. Certain things I spent lots of money on um but then I've got a violin and that's mine and I can play it so when I had a patch where I had no work and I needed to produce music I decided to make an album using free samples so these are samples that um I found online there's two really good places you can get free samples from one is piano book um and the other one is spitfire audio labs so spitfire audio are a big sample library company based down um in Tyler Studios down in London and they are fantastic and they produce a whole free um, library pack called Labs which has hundreds of, of sounds in there so I chose to use that and then I recorded my voice and I recorded violin and I made a full album with no cost obviously my heating cost and my housing bills um, but but I did that completely from free for free and I um, had a decent mic I had a good mic again someone had given me that so a lot of this is getting lucky um, and I, I made a full album out of it, and um, it was it was good quality because I can play my instrument. Um, there were lots of things I had to learn along the way, so I didn't know how to do certain things initially. So I went on YouTube. I watched uh, YouTube t tutorials from people I'd found on Twitter. Um, Twitter is an absolutely brilliant source of information if you follow the right people. So I follow people like Dave Hillowitz, and I follow Dan Keen, and I follow John Mayer. They are all um, very generous people who give their time and make free YouTube tutorials. And then they also make free sample packs. So I spent a lot of time watching videos, how to do stuff and then learn how to do it and, and taught myself. Um, and, and, and that's basically how I managed to get a, an album. And then from then on, once you get some money, you can start to buy some more kit. And the last couple of albums I've recorded professionals um, and then they've sent me the, the, the stems. So but if you've got no money to do that, there are ways of doing it. So look at your skills. If you're a guitarist, record guitar. Um, if you're a singer, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a professional singer, but my voice works for the job, you know, so you can, you yeah. can make it work. Yeah. Great. So that's a really great introduction into how to make something work from what you have. Um, when you have more options available to you, um, talk me through some decision-making kind of criteria for the, using 
samples or live or you know different the different options that are available mm. to what you can use to create different sounds and different um different music essentially um when you're not dealing with just the uh, <laughs> what's available mm. um for free how about the decision making process with those things so the thing i wanted to shift fairly quickly was i didn't want to be singing my own things anymore um so that for me was the, the number one thing. So I um, got asked to write two vocal albums for media tracks and both of those used professional singers, um, which that obviously has a cost attached to it. But they are, I'm, I'm very, very proud of those albums. They're really superb. Um, and we use Ben Parry and Imogen Parry. And they, um, because that's what they do, that's their job. It's their bread and butter. They It, it sounds so far beyond anything that I would be able to do. And it also means I can sit and I can just be the composer and don't need to worry about recording it. And that is such a privilege. Um, and in terms of quality, stepping back is really, really important and letting someone else do the recording. That's a really mm. nice part of the job. Definitely. Yeah, so it's like that thing when you um, first like move into your own place and you buy all the, you, you kind of get everything you can given to you and so on and so forth. And then gradually exactly. as you as you get older, you like upgrade everything. <laughs> exactly, that is exactly what it's like. And it's, I would never have made the album that I just made if it was me. So it's not mm. about doing a less good album. No. It's about not having the opportunity to, to so you've got to do what's within your means that will sound quality. So that's what I'd really like to get across. And then when you've got the opportunity, right, okay, so I've just done a strings album with beautiful cello solos in. I can't, I don't feel I can replicate solo strings with sample libraries. I use sample libraries a lot for held chords, pizzicato, anything that's sort of, um, you know, noises or effects, great. Pizzicato, perfect. Um, Anything with soaring melodies, anything that's going to be melodic, I need it live. I would, I would like it live, um, because that's, I think that's where people hear the, the the quality that's that's missing. Of course, you can pay a lot of money for very, very good samples. It takes up a lot of space in a computer, um, and it's it's very, you know, it's very heavy in terms of how much space it uses on your computer, and also you've got to do a lot of work to get it sounding right. So, I tend to try and do a mixture of mm. sample libraries and paying people to do it. That's really um, interesting to hear how those judgment calls are made, but also just to, you made it very eloquently, but I just wanted to pick up again on the point that you just made before that about um, that you don't make the same album, but lower quality if you don't no. have access to the expensive, mm -hmm. higher quality things. You make different music that, yeah. that that is of the highest quality that is available with the resources that you have. Exactly, yeah. absolutely. And, and actually you find that, um, you find things you didn't realize you could do. You know, that's yeah. so important because I think the minute I started making my own samples, um, I suddenly realized, oh, that sounds quite cool. I like that, right? And then I still use those things and they cost me nothing. You know, I've got a broken accordion. It really is broken, um, but I just sampled it and I can use it in my work. And it sounds, it's, you know, I'm only using it for effects and things, but it's just being creative and also trying not to sit and, and watch stuff or listen to great big blockbuster movies and think I'll never be able to create that because of course you will, but you just need to not look too far ahead, do what's accessible to you now and then it will come. It, it will come. 
Well, yeah, and looking at what the people who did create that music had available to them in terms of resources, because they certainly didn't do it with, um, you know, a violin and a broken accordion. No, they didn't. (laughs) And they also didn't do it on their own, and they also had people doing their scores for them. That's the other thing, you know, getting your scoring skills up to scratch if you're going to be recording people. That's the other thing that's really important in terms of quality. If you can't score, you need to get someone who can. Um, Because... I've had it before where I've been recording something and I've recorded it, sent it to them. And they said, that's not how I wanted it. And I said, well, that's what was written on the score. So, so I had to re-record it and that's fine, but you need to know what you want and how to write it down on the page so that you're getting the most of your money. Cause that musician's going to ask you for more money if they've done it, not how you wanted it. So mm-hmm. it's again, planning as far in advance as you can. If you know you're getting a singer. Yeah. So before I recorded Imogen, we actually had a phone call with the scores in front of us. And we both went through and she said, I said, I think I want an R. And she said, well, what about an O? And we discussed the different options. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, you know, I write all over the score, write little notes about what I might want. It doesn't need to be in fancy Italian or, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it can just be in English. Yeah. Um, that stuff's really important. That's all part of the quality. Mm. Definitely. Make it sound like a far more collaborative process yeah, you know, then then I think this is a common pr- misconception about um, production music. Um, possibly, if I can say, particularly on the sides of people who commission it, rather than necessarily the people who make it, is yes. that you hire one composer and they compose something and then that's done. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people involved in making music, especially making music for for um, for recording and yes. reproduction on screen. Absolutely, and a huge amount of collaboration from people, a, a massive. Mm. You know, we're all creatives, aren't we? So we all want to get the best quality out of what we're making. And if there's somebody who can do a better job, I don't know a single composer who would be proud and say, but I want to do it myself. They would always outsource it, always. Yeah. Because it's the sound that they want that's, that's important. We're not, we're not a, proud, a proud group of people. You know, we want good quality, basically. That is yeah. what's most important. Absolutely. Um, great. And so let's uh, let's move on to some what to avoid tips. <laughs> do you have any? I do. Plenty. Um, <laughs> I, was like, I was looking at you going, I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've already said one of them. I would avoid comparing yourself to other people um, in terms of quality. I would look at what they use and think, is that possible? So if there's someone that I admire in terms of their music... I might see if they've got a YouTube channel or go on their Spotify or whatever and just break down what they've done and what they use and actually have a little bit of a look and see if I can replicate that. But avoid sort of thinking, oh, I wish my stuff sounded like whoever. Yeah. Avoid take, spending... Take inspiration rather than just compare and and then retreat. Exactly. So think, oh, they use that type of delay. Oh, that's why it sounds good. Or, you know, they use that certain instrument or they, you know, there's so many things that are done um that, that are really clever there's there's um, a composer i've forgotten his name now um and it, he's made a theme uh, for, for tv and he just used a, a live recorded a live piano you know and was using the pedals and you kind of think oh that looks quite rustic and you know basic but it is basic and that's the thing mm-hmm. avoid thinking it's got to be shiny because it, it doesn't the other thing is avoid spending loads of money if you haven't done your research that is the main thing i would say so if you're going to buy something, you have to research it. In my opinion, you have to research it for weeks before you buy it, unless you're desperate because it's something's broken and you need it immediately. Never, ever, ever buy anything on a whim. 
get recommendations from people. There's lots of Facebook groups where you can ask forums and say, I'm thinking of buying this keyboard. What do people think? Or I'm thinking of buying a sample pack. I've, I wanted to buy a piano sample pack. So I went on a Facebook group for composers and I said, it needs to be for this purpose. This is the pack. What should I get? And I got so many responses. And then you can look at that. Then you can go on. There's demos on all the websites. So you watch all the demos and you look at it and you research it. I have spent money on really bad sample packs in the past and never used them. Mm. I mean, lots of money down the drain. Really, really regretted it. Um, so that's the biggie. I, I yeah. think personally, don't spend money because people think money equals quality and it doesn't. Um, I think that planning and preparation and knowing the sound you want equals quality. But just thinking, well, I spent a thousand pounds on these strings, so they must sound good. That is not ever going to get you quality, never. Yeah. Um, definitely, that, that's the big one. Great. And actually, what I, I'm wondering as well, if it's a good moment um, in this to talk about, because um, you've, you've mentioned throughout the advice you've given, it's all been to do with drawing on the experiences of others and, and what you can get from the information that's available, whether that's Facebook groups, YouTube channels, Twitter, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and so on. And I wondered if it was worth mentioning the MediaTracks mentorship scheme yes. and, and, the, and the importance of mentoring in general as part of this conversation. Absolutely, completely. And when I've, so we've got, I think we've got nine mentees um, on the scheme and they're all young people who've um, either coming out of college, uh, not college, university um, or training um, and wanting to get into production music. And the, the, the importance of that mentorship um, over the sort of six to eight months is to spend time with a composer working in production who can give them advice, not necessarily on how to write the music, but where to source information, how to network with people. Um, and that's a really, really important, um, really important thing that media tracks are doing because they're recognizing that there is this gap um, for men and women, you know, for, 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 for all um, young people leaving education that sometimes it can be really hard to know how to get to that professional professional level um, and so that that mentoring is really really important absolutely Mentor yeah mentoring can take a lot of forms can't it and yeah. sort of formalized mentorship screams are, are amazing and I think mm. um, really really valuable but um, I know that a lot of people get a lot from a cup of coffee with someone they respect or the exchange of a few messages on email or something like that. There are lots of different ways to kind of get that. Um, absolutely. That, absolutely. And it's yeah. quite scary. I, I've contacted yeah. composers and actually went into their studios in London and they were very, you know, people have always opened the doors for me and said, of course, you know, do come. And the, the value from just speaking to someone for half an hour. Yeah is you can't because particularly if you've come through that training I did classical training I did not come through the production route so yeah. I had no idea what I was doing um and I'm quite happy to say that I'm very happy to say I knew knew nothing about production music until I started teaching myself and I had to go out and source it there wasn't a mentoring scheme that I went on I went and found it so now I'm keen to mentor because I think it's really important people feel supported um yeah absolutely you know. And I think that's in my experience in the music industry in general, I I see that all over the place. And I, mm. I know how terrifying it is to get in touch with someone, especially someone who you specifically like know their work and respect. But those are the people exactly. that it's really good to contact because those are the mm. people that you, you have an affinity with. And I've 
got countless examples of people in se- in seemingly very um, sort of lofty positions being very happy to talk to the next generation of musicians, composers, writers, Absolutely. artists. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, always a piece of advice that I like to push is, is uh, <laughs> getting the courage up to send that email or ask for that cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely. Lovely. Thank you, Helen, for running this through. That's brilliant. Do you have any final final tips that we've not talked about? Any closing thoughts? No, I think I've I think I've said I've mentioned you know I wanted to mention people that uh, you know on, on on YouTube and Twitter and things that people can go and see. Just just use your use your skills and and also if you if you're not sure if it's quality, send it to someone to listen to it. Ask. <laughs> you know that's the easiest thing you can do is say. Um, I don't want you to take it, but please, could you let me know if my production's up to scratch? I'd like your advice. Um, yeah. And and that's the other thing, actually, that really is very important. Don't be proud. If someone says you need to change this, don't say no, I don't. Say okay, thank you, because <laughs> that's the most, the only way you get equality is by taking the advice of people. Because you might not produce what's perfect straight away. So take advice, listen, ask for help. You know, collaborate with people. That's that's the best way to get quality. Brilliant. that's the best way to get quality heard it from helen i think <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much helen it's been a real pleasure to talk to you you too thanks everyone for listening <laughs>